Much has transpired since we talked about the Raging Nations over a year ago. One of the, you know, one of the critical musts we've been uh, talking about for the past year that will precede the return of the Lord. There certainly remain hot spots around the globe, but we've also maneuvered through a presidential election unlike any before here in the United States. An election that was accompanied with a significant amount of rage, a political and social divisiveness of unprecedented magnitude. Meanwhile, a global pandemic of enormity that has taken the lives of millions, unparalleled peace accords in the Middle East, that have put some practical measures in place between Israel and several of her formerly hostile neighbors in the South. Social justice issues that have brought race, gender debates, sexual harassment to the forefront of 21st century discussion. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and I welcome you to the program today. You know, back in the day, we we pinpointed the rage of the nations as high, very high on the list of events that will precede the return of Jesus Christ. I haven't changed my mind on that, not at all. But perhaps, just perhaps, the Holy Spirit will provide a bit more insight on this critical must that will help us travel the road ahead. There's an increasingly volatile global community set against Israel and the church. We all know that. We wouldn't be wrong to even say there's a demonically inspired rage gripping the nations. As we've learned, the Satan himself is well aware as time is relatively short and getting shorter. Mysteries held closely in God's divine counsel are being revealed at an astonishing rate these days, and there's, and there's much more to come. King David, King David clearly presents the rage in Psalm 2. I love this psalm. It's short and sweet, but boy, it gets right to the point. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? That's certainly a rhetorical question. The kings of the earth, they set themselves And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, against his Messiah, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. You know, it said a a triple braided cord, a three-strand cord, is not easily broken. Go to CrossFit, do a rope climb. (laughs) You won't break it. In God's divine wisdom... David is saying that if if the powers of darkness can break what unites God's people in intercession and travail, all bets are off. The principalities and powers of the air who, who dominate the peoples of the earth are pouring forth a tumultuous rage, calculating to resist God's government of absolutes, the moral fabric that actually prevents the nations from imploding upon themselves. God's holding this whole thing together until his appointed time. This mystery of iniquity, the Apostle Paul points out in 2 Thessalonians, for for the mystery of lawlessness, that's the mystery of iniquity, is already at work. Only he who now restrains, the one who holds back, who resists exposure, is going to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then, then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. 
Paul is saying this inherent rage expressed in lawlessness and iniquity that originated in the garden will continue to get worse and worse until the originator himself, Satan, who resists exposure, is cast to the earth only to take up a residence in a man, the Antichrist. And that'll be in the final three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. The great promise, though, is this lawless one will be killed by Jesus at his return. You know, earlier in chapter 2, Paul assures his audience, this Antichrist, this man of sin, the lawless one, will not come until a great falling away comes. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Let no one deceive you in any way. He always warns us of deception, just as Jesus did. For that day, what day? The day of the Lord, that day will not come unless the rebellion, the falling away comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Many of the church point to this falling away as an activity in the church in the last days. Well, it is that. Many, not all, but many will significantly be unprepared for the coming events. Never taught, thus thus finding the days intense and overwhelming, actually falling away from the, the truth of the gospel. On the front end, this coming global rage will look successful on a number of levels. Civil societies, governments, political and social leadership already say there, there is a new normal. The old ways of religion and moral absolutes are no longer the way forward, they say. The God of humanism, the, the provision of our increasing knowledge of, of science, technology, and nature, and the making of a new society spells the future, they say. But here's the catch. King David, in his spiritual wisdom, asks the rhetorical question, why do the people plot a vain thing? Well, the nations are working overtime in efforts to eliminate the spiritual wisdom of the past, and the peoples who embrace God's ways, the Bible calls for those efforts as vain, worthless, empty, of no purpose, ultimately, at the end, unsuccessful. Listen to God's response, beginning in verse 4. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. He holds them in contempt. Then, then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, this is Psalm 2, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Folks, that's prophecy. God calls those things that are not as though they were. King David's words by the Spirit are, are forecasting an event that won't come about until several thousand years later. Jesus himself, the very king, God says, will ascend to the throne of David in Jerusalem. The Lord likens to the, the birth pains he speaks of in Matthew 24. The rage, the intercession, the travail in the church that will lead to intense labor contractions and the birthing of an age yet to come. A church pregnant with the intensity and the expectancy of the coming day of the Lord. You know, we can argue the nations have always been in a state of rage in relation to Israel and the church. 
So what's different about these days? Well, I'm a product of the 60s. Well, that's that's the 1960s for you millennials. Nothing to be real proud of, but I didn't have much to say on the matter. I've looked back at those days, and there's one thing that stands out to me that was considerably different then from today. It was, it was certainly turbulent back 60 years ago. Breakdown in civil authority that brought thousands to the streets. The birthing of a civil rights movement that would awaken this nation to the social injustices suffered by, by many Americans. Protests that sowed seeds of opposition in other nations all over the globe. But what I reckon to be different today is religion. The spiritual dynamics of of this time. While, While many churches in the 1960s protested right along with the masses to end the war, a very unpopular war in Southeast Asia, and bring justice to the disenfranchised, Today, there's a, there's a growing subtle and, and really not so subtle discussion regarding the church, those of us who embrace and accept the clear prophecies from the Word of God, that speak, they speak to the coming crisis in the world and what will be necessary for the church, for the church to prepare and reject many of those rapidly changing social dynamics. The world doesn't seem to have a a major problem with God, talking about him or mentioning his name. But through pluralism and and inclusiveness and really a lot of other new words now in residence in our dictionaries, there's there's a growing rage against the Son of God. The Jesus, Messiah, the Bible-believing church embraces in his prophetic words that prepare us for the future glory of his kingdom. There are other potent prophetic happenings in our day, like unprecedented 21st century global realignments, unusual coalitions building and forming in the Middle East, peace accords between Israel and formerly hostile neighbors. While in the North, it's a a much different story. Pro-radical or extremist governments, almost all in the North, Russia, Iran, Turkey, Afghanistan, southern Syria, Lebanon, friends of of neither Israel or much of the West. Listen to the prophetic warnings. I'm going to give you Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 1. Flee for safety, O Benjamin, people of Benjamin from the midst of Jerusalem. Blow the trumpet, raise a signal fire, for disaster looms out of the north and great destruction. How about Jeremiah uh, chapter 4, verse 6? For I'll bring disaster from the north. Who will? God will. God's going to bring disaster from the north and great destruction. Jeremiah 50, verse 41. Behold, the people shall come from the north, and a great nation and many kings shall be raised up from the ends of the earth. Ezekiel 38, 15. Then you... You is the Antichrist here. Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. And then Ezekiel 39, verse 2. And I, that's God, and I will turn you around, man of sin. I'm going to lead you on, bringing you up from the far north 
and bring you against the mountains of Israel. I'll put hooks in your jaws and lead you out with all your army. No problem here. No problem figuring out where Israel's opposition will come from in the time leading to the Great Tribulation. However, in the South, it's, it's a much different story. There's a, there's a push for peace and unity among a wide array of Israel-friendly countries. Saudi Arabia, Egypt, the Gulf states, Algeria, Sudan, Jordan, Chad, all have great interest in an abiding peace. They're not fooled as to the coming northern rise of a radical caliphate seeking a more moderate form of religion. Certainly, the Bible has much to say about these modern coalitions. Nevertheless, the, the prophetic events in the Middle East, Europe, and much of the Western world are seemingly couched in rage, prophetic events of which the Bible speaks clearly. King David was well aware of this future day of the Lord when he penned Psalm 2 some 3,000 years ago. Why did the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? What did David see that most of 21st century civilization does not see? Mike Bickle of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City addresses the timelessness of Psalm 2 in his, his book, God's Answer to the Growing Crisis. There will be challenges, hardships, and persecutions in the days ahead, Bickle says. But simultaneously, the psalm to Christ Jesus will rise among his people to challenge powers and systems and demonstrate kingdom authority in the midst of worldwide rebellion, a victorious church in the last days. Now, that's an important word. Bickle is, Bickle is saying, while the nations rage, particularly against the prophetic people of God in the, in the last days, the church, the church itself will arise to the occasion. The Holy Spirit will be working in the church, not like since Pentecost, walking in signs and wonders. I like to think the church may even partner with the miraculous ministry of the two witnesses as a final witness to the nations just before the return of Jesus. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, the Apostle Paul says, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. But to whom? To the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places. Church, that's a big deal. The church the Lord is returning for will demonstrate the power of God to the nations that are in the midst of rage, declaring his manifold, variegated, many-sided wisdom to the world. A remnant church walking in supernatural faith, recipients of the Holy Spirit's wisdom of, of where to go, when to be there, and, and what to do on arrival. The corporate fullness in the spirit of travail and intercession leading to strategies for the time of the end. Hallelujah. Let's pray, church. Father God, we worship you. We embrace what you're doing in the earth in these days as you, as you prepare us for your return. 
Father, we seek your strategies for the coming day, a time when your church will be a, a, a corporate witness to the nations in the, in the midst of persecution. But even so, a voice, at the same time, a voice of assurance and clarity to the multitudes seeking answers in the rage of the day. We love you, Lord. You're a safe God. It's not your will any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Glory to your name. We ask this, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. My brothers and sisters, I urge you to subscribe to the podcast. Rate and review if you have a few moments to take the time to do that. It's always helpful to those exploring the Internet, and they are for answers, answers of what's going on in the earth in this critical time. God bless each and every one of you. Maranatha. I'm Bill Nordstrom.